In this episode of Two Teachers Talk Business, we got the opportunity to chat with Adam Horton about his entrepreneurial journey, which has led him to own his own estate agency business. During the podcast, we discuss life in the property industry, the importance of social media marketing, and Adam shares his top tips for young entrepreneurs. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. For those who don't know you, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so I run uh, an, an estate agency called Hortons. Um, we're based in the East Midlands. Um, so now we cover uh, we cover most of the East Midlands. So Leicestershire, Nottinghamshire, um, Derbyshire, Rutland, Northamptonshire. So um, quite a wide area now. Um, we're about uh, four and a half years old as a company. Um, and uh, we kind of classify, I mean, when I say estate agents I think the the image that jumps into people's minds is uh, an office on the um the high street with properties in the window um and uh, you walk into an office and everyone's wearing three-piece suits and it's all a bit stuffy and and a bit old-fashioned um and um we we kind of define ourselves as a modern estate agency so um communicating with people in the way that they want to be communicated with um having a a process uh, with our clients that's a little bit more kind of tech enabled so um uh, so you're not just having to speak to someone in the office at uh, between nine and five and, and that sort of thing um but the the basis of what we do marketing people's homes when they want to move uh finding a buyer and getting that sale over the line with the with the solicitors um, is all pretty much the same, um, but yeah, with just a bit of a modern spin on it. So why, why did you go into a state agency? Out of everything you could could have done at yeah. seventeen, you left school, didn't you? And then you went into a state agency. Why that market? Why did you choose that? So I kind of fell into it by accident, and I feel that's a pretty generic answer for someone that's leaving school and. Uh, and perhaps not going on to uni or something, um, unless you've got a really clear idea of, of, of what you want to do. Um, but I, the one thing I did want, I, I did want to do when I leave, when I left school, was just to get into the world of, of work and earn some money and that sort of thing. And um, I actually left school. Um, well, when I, when I was at school, I was running um, club nights um, in uh, in Leicester, and so that was a mixture of um kind of under 18 um kind of nightclub experience uh kind of events um and 16 plus events as well as some general nightclub stuff 18 plus um that sort of thing which was different considering at the time i was 16 um but um i uh yeah i, I left school originally because i felt like that business had had legs and it was going somewhere um i think about the age 16 we'd put on this um, club night at uh, a venue in Leicester, quite a big, a big venue. And we booked an example, um, which hopefully most people have heard of. He's pretty big. At the time, he just got his first, I don't think he got number one. I think he got to number two in the charts with, um, uh, with his, one of his singles. And um, we, we, the timing was perfect. We had a sellout night and that kind of set me on a different path of booking some of the, other big nights and bigger venues and stuff and it felt like the business going in the right direction um so I left school to pursue that um and um about six months in I realized that it wasn't quite going how I'd anticipated it to go um nightclubs from my experience and, and maybe 
my uh, my experience, my age at that point, um, held me back a little bit with having this foresight. But you could have um, some really big winners. Like when we booked example, we sold probably 3,000 tickets. Um, and, um, and it was really profitable. Um, and, and that was a, a big success. But then a couple of months down the line, you could put on a night um, and it lose money and that wipes out the majority of your profits um, and that was a new experience for me so um, and we, we hadn't kind of put the foundations in place to ride out ride out those peaks and troughs so it got to the point where um, yeah it hadn't gone the way I wanted it to um, and I was I knew I wanted to be self-employed and run a business um, and I fell into a state agency basically because I'd, I'd read a lot of business books a lot of autobiographies um, and self-help stuff as well. There was one book in particular, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Both um, read that. We're big, big fans of that book. Love it, yeah. Yeah, it's a, um, a, and that kind of, this whole switch about um, accumulate assets and reduce liabilities um, um, kind of had a bit of a switch in my mind, a bit of realisation. Uh, but the theme in that book and pretty much any other business leader and entrepreneur was, uh, real estate property was a big factor in all of that um, so I just thought well um, I don't know anything about property um, and uh, I um, yeah thought maybe going to an estate agency was a was a good way to do it. I think it was a recommendation from my mum and dad like well why don't you talk to an estate agent and I remember in my um, my first interview after I'd gone down the high street in uh, in every town and larger village in Leicestershire handing out CVs I got one interview off the back of it and one guy kind of gave me an apprenticeship when I was 17. Um, and I remember him asking me in the interview, um, so what do you think estate agents actually do? I think he was asking for me to go, like, like what do I think the day-to-day is like? What do I think the day is going to involve? But I realised at that moment that I didn't actually understand what an estate agent did. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to go into that world because to, to learn about property. Um, because yeah, I saw that as well. All these uh, these business leaders, these inspirational kind of entrepreneurs. It's um, it's the one thing that perhaps is um, uh, is part of every uh, successful entrepreneur's journey, really, because of the level of security um, that um, real estate offers. Even the likes of um, uh, Jeff Bezos, for example. Obviously, everyone knows how he made his money. But now, um, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head. But he's he's up there with one of the biggest landowners in in the US. Um, and um, so, even if people don't make money and create businesses out of property, um, it's a safe store of of cash and uh, and, and and yeah, a, a reliable long term asset to be holding. So, um, yeah, that's why I kind of explored that area, and it's kind of all started from there. I think McDonald's as well. They, 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 everyone thinks they sell chips and burgers and that's how they make the profits. But yeah, um, apparently some of their biggest assets is, is the land behind the actual fast food chains themselves. So yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah. So, and, and it's very interesting to hear that rich dad, poor dad was the trigger that got you thinking about property and moving into that market. And it just goes to show that just reading a book can literally change your life. Yeah. I think these days, if it's not a book, it's a YouTube video or it's a podcast um, uh, that kind of, uh, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't even need to be a particularly good book or a particular, like, but it, it could just be one one line, a chapter of a book, five minutes of a podcast that 
um, connects with you and uh, and changes yeah the trajectory of where you want to take your career and I think that's really really exciting but that doesn't happen once that happens over and over again like I've read um, hundreds and hundreds of books uh, on business since since reading Rich Dad Poor Dad and um, I think um, uh, every so often you get something which you feel like is re- you can really apply to your life that um, uh, that um, helps you kind of take the next step. Um, it's something I've always gone back to because I know that um, by reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, it set me on a bit of a bit of a journey. Um, I got it. Fact, in fact, it wasn't Rich Dad Poor Dad that I read first. It was Rich Dad Poor Dad for teens. My mum and dad got me a copy of the book for for Christmas, and um, and once I read that, I, I got stuck into the um, the original book. Uh, and um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, if there's if there's one thing that I've learned from this journey, it's constantly consume and learn um, from any source of content, whether it's sitting in the classroom or uh, on YouTube or reading, whatever works for you. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I've learned to do that all the time. I think that's that's something we learned a little bit later on as well. So it's interesting that you say that, like we went to university, etc., but we really learned a lot just from a couple of books. So like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Have you read Unshakable? by Tony uh, Robbins? Um, yes, I have, a long, uh, a while ago. Um, is That's um, the uh, one around finances, isn't it? Yeah, and that changed our attitude to finances. So like you, I love the bit where you said it changes just a little spark and it can change your behaviour, but that keeps happening. So you read something else and something else. I, I really, I think that's a valuable message to people. Really, yeah. really valuable. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know when, you know when you you like decided to leave school and start up in a business like events was the initial one. Now it's estate agency, etc. What emotions did you go through? Like, how did it actually feel? Because it's a big, big decision to make at such a young age. And yeah, what what did it actually feel like? Uh, I remember being, I remember going to talk to my business studies teacher when I, I, I decided to leave being um being really nervous about it like um I don't know it felt like I was kind of going rogue and like uh it wasn't like the done thing like if you're halfway through your doing your A-levels um why give up now um but in fact um my business studies teacher a guy called Mr Lum he was wicked um was really supportive and um um and uh, I remember leaving that thinking actually like maybe uh, what's there to be nervous about like I, f- I felt like he was going to try and convince me otherwise or whatever but the, he, he was supportive about it and, and generally uh, my other teachers and stuff were um I've been really lucky to have quite uh, supportive parents in that sense as well like um there was no expectation for me to um like to go to uni or anything like that it was purely just like you've got to focus on what you feel is right for you sort of thing um because I know that can be quite a challenging thing for a lot of people like balancing um kind of keeping mum and dad happy and also what people are really passionate about and stuff but I've been super lucky in that respect um and um but it, it the kind of the emotions that I was going through is excitement about okay I know what I want to do I'm taking a step I know this is a a ballsy move um I remember feeling like that at the time because it was so uh, it was an unusual step um to feeling really nervous when I was having to actually have that uh those conversations 
um, to them feeling quite supported, luckily. And um, and then, yeah, since that that moment, um, like, I mean, when you actually start kind of doing something on your own and you, there's no one there to turn around and talk to, there's no, um, no one to ask for advice or anything, then that's a whole nother a roller coaster of uh, of emotions. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but that initial that initial point, um, yeah. Um, I think once once I pulled the trigger and actually did it, um, it was a bit of a relief, really, because I felt like I was on more of a, a track that was more suited to me. Did Did you have a vision of what entrepreneurship would be like? So, obviously, you leave school and you do your say interest thing. You go for a job. Now yeah. you're an established. You you own an established business. Mm-hmm. From being that that age, what what's changing how you see entrepreneurship? So, like, what's your day to day actually like compared to what you thought it'd be like? Well, I remember when I first left school. Um, entrepreneurship is all about freedom, having the flexibility of your time, and um, not having a boss, isn't it? And yeah. I think when I, and this contributed to the failure of like those those first, that first club night business, um, because. I just didn't put in enough work. That was a major factor to it. Like I was loving this freedom of, um, I'll, I'd like wake up at nine o'clock in the morning and go to this little office that we had in Leicester City Centre um, at, at midday and then spend an hour having lunch with someone. And uh, like, and, and just the day was completely unstructured. Um, I think on the face of it, it seemed really cool because like I was just doing whatever I wanted. and. Uh, um, and we had some kind of vague vision about where um, the, the business was going to go and we had events in the pipeline and stuff like that. But um, uh, yeah, just was not disciplined enough for it at all. And then you realise um, uh, that, well, I, uh, clearly the business wasn't going in the right direction. And, um, and it made me think, actually, this thing is a lot harder than I imagine. It's not just selling tickets and booking venues and artists. Um, it's it's a whole nother level of focus and, and discipline that's needed. Um, and um, I think I only really saw that by working for an entrepreneur. Like I knew where I wanted to go, but then I saw the work ethic. Um, my first boss, guy called Richard, um, and uh, he's a really established agent in, uh, in, in Leicester, um, knows the business inside out. And I remember him getting to the office every day for seven o'clock in the morning. And um, at that stage, I was like, oh, what's he even doing at seven o'clock in the morning? Like <laughs> we're not even open. And like you, there was this whole under, like lack of understanding about what it goes into take building a business. And I think by yeah, working for him and, and uh, maturing a little bit as a, as a business person, even though I was employed, um, I think gave me a bit of a grounding and a reality check about what's actually required to, to make it a success. So if you, if you could give just, I suppose, three key things that like a young person who's going to be an entrepreneur you just said that like going into the office at seven in the morning was like what it was a shock at first but now you understand why yeah what three things would you say if you could narrow it down that a young person wanting to be an entrepreneur really needs to understand is pivotal to being successful um i think uh firstly on that point of putting in the work um yes uh like yeah my first boss I could see him uh, I could see him getting to the office every morning at seven that doesn't that doesn't mean that everyone if they're going to business needs to start work first thing in the morning and get up at five o'clock 
um, you need to work out kind of what works kind of you find your rhythm that fits your life and work out when you're productive and um, I think um, now with everything pretty much being web-based um, uh, for the majority of businesses especially over this year I've found a way to adapt and be much more flexible in the way that they work um, like um, yeah don't think that you need to work for the sake of it but you like you need to find when you're productive um, and maximize those hours and think about how you're using every minute of your time when you are working um, and um, and Jeff yeah, that might mean that you work later at night or you um, you do start early but then perhaps you factor in times to take a break go for a walk or something during the day and that sort of thing you got to find out what leaves you feeling like you're in the most productive state of mind that would be the first thing don't just uh, don't listen to the 5am club and all of that sort of stuff um, secondly it's about when you are working um, like making sure that you're working on things that actually going to make a difference to your long-term plan so I would review what your longer-term goals are um, every single day and work out what your to-do list is based on whether it contributes to hitting those goals or not um, and um, because it's too easy when you're running a business to get caught up in and especially when things take off a little bit and maybe you've got um, a handful of employees um, or like things start to get busy and lots of clients to look after. Um, obviously, you've got to make sure that whatever product or service you're delivering is a good standard. Um, but um, it's too easy to get caught up in the detail of stuff that doesn't actually make that much difference. Um, and thirdly, um, like it's being consistent and um, like when if you're setting up a business, you've got to think about those two things um, and deliver on them day in day out but not just for this month or the next six months or the next year like if you if you feel like you're an entrepreneur and this is the route you're going to go down like um if it's if you've really got what it takes then it's a lifelong commitment like um and uh, or as long as your career ends up being um you've got to do that every single day and um and if you drop the ball and take your take your eye off what what your long term goal is, um, then um, there's someone else that's going to be uh, chasing after you. And uh, everyone that you're in business, uh, your your competition, is working to try and put you out of business every day. So you've got to stay a step ahead, be more focused than your competition, be more productive. Um, but yeah, crucially, that doesn't mean working every hour of the day. Um, sometimes there'll be periods where you feel like you like really putting in the work and doing some long hours and stuff is if the business needs it and and that's something that you you want to do because you're passionate about it um but yeah don't work for the sake of it just make every minute where you are working really count um because um working eight hours a day and they're super productive is um so many so much better on so many different levels than working 18 hours a day um but half of those do not focus because you're um because you're tired or you're focusing on the wrong things or you're being a bit of a busy fool focusing on uh, things that aren't actually going to contribute to your goals so yeah that i think i think that that is a very i think when you mentioned 5am club i think what people here especially young students is to be an entrepreneur, to be successful, it's just all about work, work, work. And yeah. 
you just mentioned it's about finding a balance. It's, it's being prepared to put in the extra yards when they're needed, when the business is really busy and it's required. But actually, finding that balance and realising that you don't just need to work for the sake of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually, I suppose looking after the, the call, there's a lot of talk about mental health nowadays, isn't there? And sometimes if you, if you do too much, you're going to end up becoming unproductive and your business will end up failing. So I think, I think that's a very important message. Yeah. So on the back of that, what, what's, been, what's been your highest moment in business and what's been your lowest moment so far? Okay, so um, I'll start with the lowest moment because I think that's more interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this, is, this, this is the second time that I've set up a state agency business. So the first time um, was in 2013. Um, so um, I was like 20, 21, something like that. And um, we were running the business for coming up to like two years or so. Um, and I had two full-time members of staff um, and um, we had a, a, a state agent referred to like their stock level. It's the amount of properties that they've, got on the market available for people to buy um, and also like how many sales are going through and we had a fairly respectable level of stock kind of above average um, for, for Leicester so the business appeared to be doing quite well um, but I set, I set up the business at a time when there was a lot of um, online competition um, there's companies like Purple Bricks set up in 2014 and they're like um, an online estate agency that charge much lower fees than um, typical agents on the high street and I could see that the market was going in that sort of direction and I thought well um, how about we do like a much more localized version of that so people get the benefits of um, being kind of uh, being a local company uh, kind of more accessible um, but also we do it on a on a fixed fee basis and we try and save people money and um, which makes sense because I mean price is a key differentiator and isn't it and uh, yeah. um, and obviously that sort of business model works for a lot of other industries but uh, after a couple of years we built up this business but it wasn't making any money and I felt like a bit of a busy fool and um, we'd also made some uh, some bad decisions um, on um like we, we decided to go into lettings um, and property management where I focus purely on the sales element of, of a state agency. And, but the sales side of the business, because it wasn't profitable, it wasn't established enough, ended up being a distraction. So we had lots of stuff going on and none of it really was, um, was firing on all cylinders and, and doing really well. And um, it just got to the point where it was not like sustainable. Um, and um, you had to make a decision to, to close the business. Um, and um, so that was a, a low point in the sense that um, it's a failure. And when you like decide to uh, close a business, there's nothing more public than your boards disappearing, having to have these conversations with your current clients and going, look, we've had to make a tough decision here. Um, your competition, like... Um, celebrating it <laughs> let's be honest it, that's another one that we've not got to worry about um and uh um yeah the i told you so is that sort of stuff and um and so uh yeah that that was a difficult difficult moment and um i decided to take um it was about another year or two um out of the industry 
um i can't remember the exact time scales but basically i got i got a job for a bit um and um again tried to use that as a um a way to i'd seen the effect of trying first time in events working for someone learning from them and then trying again and uh um, I thought let's rinse and repeat that process because I definitely made progress since the first time. So I ended up um, working for a law firm in in Leicester, um, and they were they were growing really quickly, and it was ran by um, kind of uh, a really um, kind of progressive uh, entrepreneur, which is unusual for law law firms. I mean, there's a lots of great law firms about, but like they were expanding quickly there was a different sort of culture in the business and um and they just seemed like they were exciting going to the right places and but because of my experience um of kind of working uh, for myself and the business element of it um it improved my sales skills dramatically and uh, managed to get kind of a senior role within that company um i was kind of reporting into the board of uh, of them basically and um uh, and obviously at the time i was really quite young but uh, it may put me in a position to see what was happening with that organization while they were growing quite quickly so such a great experience um and um they had a really strong uh, leadership team in place and um and just uh tried to learn as much from that as possible um and then when obviously it got to a point where yes i learned a lot from them and enjoyed my time there but like i think when if you know you're kind of an entrepreneur and like um uh, and that's really where your heart lies like the idea of like a longer term employment if you feel like you've got everything you need from it um is uh, is not very exciting and so i knew that like i was going to start up something um when i handed in my re- resignation to um to the uh, to the boss of that company um he was like to be honest I, i'm surprised you stayed this long like because I, I knew what was going to happen so um and uh, uh, uh but then the second time i set up um was really uh, yeah a compounding effect of all these different experiences and this time around it's done a lot better um so uh, uh which is good but a higher point um could uh, i mean when you're asking me about high point there's probably no not one single uh thing that stands out um because um it's never like a finished product you've got to be tweaking every part of your business um continuously uh, and um yes there's things that happen where we feel like we've reached a bit of a milestone like um we just hit a stock of um 500 properties um which um, the average estate agency branch in in the country has 32 properties so we're um we feel like that's a big and um, kind of why well, it puts us as one of the biggest agents in these midlands um if not the biggest independent agent um and um and so that was a key milestone we also raised some um private equity funding about 12 months ago um which was kind of uh, uh we're in a profitable position before we raised that, but it, it uh, kind of has just added a bit of rocket fuel to the business and accelerated things and um, brings more expertise to the table and has helped on so many different levels. Um, but um, yeah, that effectively obviously involves selling a, a chunk of your business. Um, luckily, uh, we, we've got some some pretty good terms and because we're a business heading in the right direction, um, but um, the process of going through through that attracting investors and going through the motions again was a massive learning curve and um but when when all of that completed um that felt like a bit of a bit of a milestone it was a new chapter in the in the business effectively so um 
but yeah, not one key occasion, but there's a couple of examples like that. Um, and, um, but equally there's, there's, there's highs that I get kind of as much satisfaction from seeing like, um, we'd, um, we just had one of our, um, one of our agents hit quite a substantial milestone for like their, their sales pipeline and how much business they're doing. And, um, this guy's um, yeah, been with us about 18 months or so. And uh, so things like that, um, when you see actually things are working and it's benefiting our team and, and everyone's heading in the right direction, um, like I get as much satisfaction that, from that as I do uh, seeing the progress of the business in terms of our stock level or something like that. I want to I touch on what you said about um, hitting 500 homes like, under, your, under your business. Yeah. Um, Across your website, you say like you're more like a marketing agency. Yeah. How big a role has acting like a marketing agency actually impacted you getting that many, many homes? Yeah, um, that's been like fundamental to our success. It's a different mic. The only reason that we've we've grown in the way that we have is because when we speak with a, a client, they need to know that they're getting something different from our competition. Um, and um like we realized, um, well, really from day one of setting up, uh, setting up the business that um, we were going into this uh, on the basis of we don't want to be like every other estate agency. So um, our values and the way that we approach our marketing needs to be um, like a marketing agency because it doesn't matter if we're selling houses or um um, it could be anything like uh, any sort of product or service. Um, it all boils down to if we're trying to attract a seller to work with us, where's the retention online? How do we attract it? How do we ask them? How do we get them to get in contact with us? But more importantly, with our buyers, um, like if we've got a, a property, we need to establish who that target market is, again, where the retention is and what's the best way to reach them. Um, and um, unless you go through those motions of like, um, understanding that yeah it doesn't matter whether you're selling a house or a product um you i think it's too easy to fall into the same sort of category as all the rest of the competition which means that you take some photos of the house and you put it on right move um which probably most people have heard of of a search portal um and uh, and let that do the work but it's going the extra mile and and vendors knowing that they're actually getting someone who understands that um yeah a state agency is more than just kind of returning phone calls and booking viewings if um if we reach 10 percent more people on top of what right move and zoopla and those sort of websites achieve that 10 percent could include a buyer that's willing to pay two percent more for the house than the next person um and uh, so um that way we can be pretty confident that we're going to get better results than an agency that just lists it and waits for phone calls to come to them um and uh if clients want to work with us they're working with us because um, they feel like, well, they know that they can be confident that they're going to get a better result than they would go elsewhere. And the most important thing for us is you, you would only, you're only really instructing a state agent to sell your house. And the most, most people will instruct them um, wanting to know that they're going to get the maximum possible price for their house. So if we can put more money in our clients' pockets because we're utilizing digital marketing more effectively than a competition, um, it's great for us and we can get sales through more like find buyers more quickly but also it's a profitable move for the seller and um, and uh, the, if they feel like they get to the end of the process and they go thank god we used uh, we used Hortons we've, we've got a good price they they looked after us and 
um, we they feel like we've fought their corner in negotiations and stuff to make sure we got the best result, then they're much more likely to go and tell their family and friends about it. So yeah. how how important is it to focus on, or, or do you not think it is important to focus on competition? Because I fear sometimes if you if you look at what your competition does too much, you start becoming what they do because you copy what they do well, and then all of a sudden you can lose your identity. How yeah. much focus do you put on the competition? How much do you analyse them? Yeah. Um, genuinely very little attention, and uh, especially on a local basis. Um, like... I, I genuinely can't remember the last time I looked at a local estate agent's website or anything like that. Like, and, um, but I've, I've consciously made that decision, I think, but it's been like, it's been that way for not just recently, but for the past couple of years, um, because I realized I wasn't getting any value out of it. Like, why do I care? Um, well, whoever's like, whoever is, um, whichever of our competition is, is doing because, um like if we want to be fundamentally different then um we need to take our inspiration and our um um like yeah inspiration from elsewhere so i spend more time looking at other industries trying to make comparisons to our industry learn stuff from what's going on overseas and that sort of stuff and just kind of um expand your your view on the industry because if you spend more time worrying about who's listing the most in the local town you're distracted from what's actually gonna uh, differentiate you more and make a difference and encourage people to kind of be attracted to your brand or whatever like you um uh if they're if they're local competition you're worried about them then um yeah there's there's a bigger problem at play i think because you you need to have a bigger vision okay um but i think that's i think that's a probably a major issue for a lot of businesses to overcome that because you, especially in the early stages you're so concerned about um like where the next client's going to come from or anything it's it's very difficult to like force yourself out of those habits and and find um what you need elsewhere to kind of keep guiding you in the right direction um and um yeah and competition competition in business but particularly in a state agency um is uh is really cutthroat like you've yeah. um uh, you, uh, I mean, I experienced it a little bit in, in nightclubs um, and um, there's a, um, when I first started, obviously I was like yeah, 16, uh, 16, 17 years old and um, like, I'd never really been exposed to um, like that level of, um, of competition between businesses and stuff. And um, there's some really good high quality operators in the um, nightlife space and, and events in generally. But equally, like any industry, to be honest, there's um, there's not so not so good operators and and perhaps don't play by the rules in the same way as other people do, and um, it it was kind of a bit of a learning curve to go, wow, like you've got to be really thick skinned to 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 get through this, and um, uh, and I think um, translating that to a state agency, yes, it's a super competitive uh, industry to be in, um, but if you can. Um, yeah, put a, a, a wear a bit of armor so it doesn't let you affect you, and you can keep focused on on bigger picture stuff. Um, it's a massive advantage, um, and if you know you can do that and you make the effort to do it, the chances are ninety nine percent of your competition aren't, and they're probably watching you. Um, and uh, and you should probably take that as a compliment. 
I think what you've said said is important about the focus on yourself, and and that's really been your USP. Like you, you're seeing yourself as a marketing agency rather than um, an estate agency. Mm. If you could if you could only sell on one platform, mm. which one would you choose? Um, I would say um, purely from a new business generation perspective, Instagram in our industry is massively undervalued. I think um, people are too busy focused on on Facebook. I mean, which is equally, I mean, Facebook's an amazing tool, uh, and uh, I don't think uh, the effectiveness of of utilizing Facebook is going to go anywhere anytime soon. But Instagram. Um, I think is um, it, it, in a way it requires a bit more skill because um, like their, their ads platform is obviously um, much more sophisticated than it was even a few years ago. Um, so it's, it's easy to get in front of the right people, but to build an organic following, which is much more um, like real on Instagram than it is on Facebook, um, the, that takes a lot more, a lot more skill, I think, and but if you get it right, um, it can be uh, it can be hugely uh, effective, and you can see that so clearly in other industries. I mean, if you go look at anything that can be utilised by like influence uh, influencer marketing or anything like that, especially with a younger demographic, like there's brands that can just explode overnight on on Instagram, and um, but when you're dealing with something which um, is a little bit dull i mean a state agency isn't um especially like a, a few years ago wasn't a very cool industry to be in i think that's changing a little bit because of this like the modern element of doing things and and how social media can show i mean it's good for content because you can show lots of nice houses and that sort of stuff um but like um imagine if you're um no offense to any anyone in the industry but accountant or imagine if you're a a building surveyor <laughs> like and uh, um and uh people in the industry obviously really passionate about what, what they do and um but trying to portray that with content is a is a challenge um and um uh, 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 but if you can get something right if you can find a way to do that and benefit from the sort of stuff that you see going on with the likes of um gymshark or something like that um then um like and take a um some inspiration out of their book or something then it can be can be onto a winner be really cool and um but social media in general um it's still really in its infancy like the the amount of businesses that aren't utilizing or seeing it's a key part of their marketing strategy or putting the resources into it that they should be um that uh, is is crazy um and um so you could see businesses that would still be advertising in local newspapers or something like that, that um, have a, one, one post a week on Facebook or something. And it's in generic, it doesn't get any, any uh, interaction. They're not trying to build a community, like they're not doing content marketing or anything like that. And um, it's just, they're leaving money on the table. It's, it's absolutely mad. So, what, oh, go, go on, Drew, if you've got a question. I was just going to say, what you, you said, like, they're not utilising it. What What's the biggest benefit to you of, of social media? I think um, not just with our business, but if we think that people are spending more and more time on, on social media um, and um, 
I mean, if I give you our industry in this example, for um, the average first time buyer of a property in the UK is, as a whole is about 33, 34 years old, I think. Um, but um, I mean, we've been active on um, social media. The, the Hortons as a name has been active on social media since um, 2013. Um, there was people that we were connecting with in their um, early 20s that we've built a relationship with that are now selling their first home um like yeah seven eight years later um and you've got to have long-term value in it um and um but that's happening all the time there'll be like it could be um uh 16 17 18 year old that follows our accounts and sees loads of nice houses and stuff and they, they could be a customer for us in 10 years time and uh uh, and I think people are taking a short-term view on it, um, not using it to build a brand, but using it to build like a, a funnel to convert people, to attract people, to click on an advert, to try and sell them something the next day. Whereas social media, I think, should be a really long-term play. And um, it seems like a lot of businesses aren't thinking like that. I, I agree with you 100%. I see social media, it, for me, it should be a lot of free content, a lot of value for your audience, for your followers. What, as an estate agent, obviously you're selling houses, trying to get people to let houses, wanting to click so they go and book a viewing, etc. What do you do to get people who aren't interested right now in let it, going to let a house or buy a house, etc.? What do you do to attract them to follow you for years? Yeah. How, how um, do you provide them with value? So, um, I mean, with, uh, with content, you see the like, educating... Um, or entertaining really are like the two key principles of um, of content and um, we'll try and do both but it's more um, entertainment really like um, if we can post um, I mean we're lucky in this country like Brits are obsessed with um, with house prices and um, um and property in general like we we value ownership of property more than probably any other country and um so if we there's this whole like um um like house porn element to things of people just following uh like there's loads of accounts millions of people that follow the amazing properties and stuff but there's equally like you don't need a um like i don't know a 40 million dollar house in um la to like to um to follow and it's just this bit of a um bit of dreaming like that's equally as nice because you can you can always think what if but um there's also house porn in the sense of um a really nice three-bed semi and someone thinking about their um their first home or their second home or something and um and they look at it for inspiration for their own house or it could be the dream, the dream house um, 20 years down the line that people um, like looking at. It's not just this extreme end of the market for ultra high net worth people. Um, because um, yeah, the reality of that is that it only accounts for probably 0.1% of people. And whereas what we're doing, um, if we focus on high quality content, it can appeal to, to, to everyone. And, um, uh, and people are always looking for inspiration to make their homes nicer and stuff. So I think there's that element. Then if we build up awareness with them and the fact that we sell houses like that and someone goes, oh, I've got a house like that. And then they come to sell five years down the line. Um, we're in an environment where um, they've only, because a lot of estate agents um, aren't 
kind of pushing social media um, or doing it as effectively as we are, um, it's in quite a quiet environment for that in consumer. They're not hearing from five, six other estate agents every day when they post something. They're just hearing from us. And we find that if you do that consistently, when we get a client, they don't think, um, oh, I'm going to get five estate agents out and they can all pitch me my services and I'll decide who I go with. Um, there's, in their minds, there's only one estate agent because there's no one else that's been making any noise in front of them. Yeah. Do, do you feel like... Um... Social media is talked about a lot for younger generations and targeting younger generations. Do you see people using your business through social media that you've put out of 50 plus? Or, yeah. is, is, it, or is it actually correct that it is the younger generation? Yeah, we get old people too. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 50 pluses. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, I think... Uh, yes, and even it's probably even more valuable in uh, for for the kind of the fifty plus age group because they're already in that. Um, I mean, even from like twenty five, thirty plus, um, like a significant chunk of our target audience have, have, have maybe bought their first home or whatever. Or um, and um, but uh, if you're twenty seven, you're much more likely to have or your mates from um, college or uni or whatever on your Facebook and you're still connected to them and you see lots of content every day. If you're um, 60 um, and you're connected with, um, you, you're generally connected with a much lower amount of people, um, if you purely use it for um, like um, entertainment or um uh, like or, or information um you, you, i mean there's plenty of people like utilizing it for business and they've got loads of people connected but if you're like an average consumer um you've you've got probably 10 20 um probably no more than 50 facebook friends every piece of content you see is relevant to you because you probably know the person that's, that's sending it out and you probably react to the majority of it um if you uh, drop some marketing in that same um stream of information um can you guys hear me okay yeah yeah cool so i saw it lagging so when the sound went um you're much more likely to be um like uh, heard than if you go into a stream of information for a 20 uh 22 year old that's um that's got uh this following a, a thousand other people um so uh there's obviously benefits to both both sides of those um, there's obviously a lot more of the younger demographic active on on social media than there is in an older demographic um, and uh, but yeah the ones that you can connect with they tend to be really valuable connections so if if you could um, if you could give one one piece of advice to a 16 17 18 year old about social media let's say they're looking to start their own business which a lot of them are they're very passionate they just don't know what the business is yet yeah, I want how to, to go about it. Yeah, if they found that <laughs> business that they want to start, yeah, what socials would you say they need to utilize, and how would be the best way? Um, zero budget, pretty much. Yeah, um, everything. Um, don't leave any stone unturned. Just go for, go for all the different platforms. You never know which one's going to click for your brand. Um, educate yourself. What like there's endless amounts of videos on youtube about how to create cool graphics for posts and uh, there's platforms like easel um, and canva and stuff like that that make um content production are so much more so much easier um and um yeah i would just I'd go into it and be but have the if you go into it with the intention of the fact that 
um, you're going to hold your position on social media long term and put out consistent content, but you're going to think, okay, well, it's going to take me 10 years to build up this following. Like, um, you may you may start these things clicking, and it could be a brand that explodes, or it could be something that takes a few years to build up. I mean, our Instagram account is the best part of five years old now, and but um, and we've we've only got about um, eight thousand followers or something on our Horton's Instagram account. Um, but that's just taking really consistent posting and content and stuff. And now it's a really valuable tool. But if I went in expecting that to happen in six months' time, then I would have been pretty disappointed. Like, think of it as if you're um, investing for the long term, and uh, and over time you will start to see um, to see value from it. Um, and and post probably more than you think. Um, and like, uh, if you if you want to upload to your Instagram feed a couple of times a day say uh, turn that same piece of content into um a post on every other platform and in every story on linkedin stories facebook stories instagram stories on snapchat on tiktok or whatever um really because because those two posts those two pillar pieces of content could help you create 30 40 pieces of content and it's not actually that difficult to do um and um if you do that every single day for the next five years you'll probably see some traction from it because um not many people actually do it that consistently if you do it'll probably work so pa patience then yeah yeah massively <laughs> yeah 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 good that's uh, i think it's an important message to hear it's not an instant thing it, it it's uh, it goes back to your hard work thing doesn't it like yeah. hard work consistency and being really patient with it so yeah thanks thanks adam i think, I think potentially in control your emotions that was well drew like, yeah. you know, if you post something and it doesn't get any likes, it can hurt you. You know, if you take it to heart. So I think it's, patience is key, consistency is key. But would you say, Adam, that just being in control of your emotions and not getting upset, if it, don't delete a post just because it didn't hit the number of likes you were aiming for. How important is that? Yeah, like detaching yourself from that is, uh, is such an advantage because most people are very they do get caught up on that stuff because you want things to see you want to see each post going in the right direction and get a few more followers and and build a momentum and stuff um but it is like i say treat it as a long-term investment um we spoke about um unshakable uh earlier on um again it's been a while since i've read that but um they the idea of investing in um longer term funds rather than playing the market and the idea of compounding and that sort of thing. Um, if you checked the market every day on your index fund, you would, uh, you'd, you'd scare yourself into, into selling when really you only see a benefit if you hold it for the next 20 years or 30 years and treat, use that same mindset with your, um, uh, um, with your with your social media don't go and look at the number of followers and number of likes every day um re, have, take a like focus on that number every six months and check if you're going in the right direction that's probably a good principle to have if if you're investing in uh, um in index funds and that sort of thing like um you yeah you want to know if you're going in the right direction um and uh because uh, um over a six month period or 12 month period if you do the basics um then uh, you will see things go in the right direction. You take some encouragement from that. But uh, if the market's down one day, where you get, you get you lose some followers, then uh, it's too easy to be scared and, and sell up or stop trying. <laughs> yeah. When actually you could be a couple of posts away from it really taking off. 
yeah exactly um it could be yeah the, the stock market analogy it could be something that's uh, that gets it um, yeah big uplift in, in in the market the next morning um equally it could be that one piece of content that um suddenly accelerates your growth massively and you see that happen all the time um of, uh, of people being pushed into uh, having loads more of attention because they've just consistently put out content every day. Yeah. I think so. TikTok's a bit volatile like the stock market. You can <laughs> yeah. randomly things just kick off on that and then others just flop completely. It's just so volatile. I think you really yeah. not worry about content on TikTok, especially. Yeah, yeah. TikTok's like Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> crazy, yeah. crazy. Um, right, so... That's been fantastic. So I think we're ready for a final three now. So can I make yeah. one last point? You touched on one. Um, yeah, of you've got, um, there's a lot of younger people, business students um, that uh, maybe they're re really passionate to start up a business, but they don't know what journey that's going to take. Like, is, is that something that you guys see with like your students, but generally with younger people, um, the idea of being an entrepreneur is, it is really attractive, but like, what form does that take? I need a business idea. Like, what what do I do? Is that is that a problem? That that's the that's one of the biggest biggest issues. Um, I actually spoke to one of our students yesterday. I rang him. He, he messaged me on Instagram. He's a past student, and he's asking me advice. And it, his basic advice was exactly what you just said. I want to start something, but what what do I start? Yeah, uh, he's got ideas, and I think. He's a really good student. He's really like switched on. He always has been asked a lot of questions. But what what his issue was was, and I think this comes back to you, Adam, where he said about I, I said to him, follow your passion. But that's a bit opposite to what you you've done in a way. So you you never really followed a passion, did you? In property, you said um, discovered a passion. I think is, um, and I don't. I wouldn't have taken it this far unless I'd kind of got that fire from it that kept me going basically um it's about trying things i guess isn't it um, yeah what would you what would you say to him if you if if you just spoke to him what would what would you what would your advice be for someone who's he's sort of looking at like pro he's interested in like gym and protein brands and stuff like that yeah so i i kind of remember this so like clearly like after reading those first couple of books and stuff um and i think i, f I first read rich dad poor dad for teens when i was like um probably about 14 15 or something and like it was such a change in my mindset of going like okay this makes sense this is what I want to do like the whole idea of being your own boss and can control your own destiny and all that kind of stuff was just like that but it just completely cemented in my mindset and nothing was ever going to change from that point <laughs> and uh so then from the age of about 14 to 16 every day it was writing ideas down like um brainstorming like what can i do like trying ideas out and um like uh, and to be honest there was just an endless amount of like i started a, a ticket selling website at one point i started doing flyer designs and i could barely barely use photoshop and stuff at the time like it was just any sort of way um, i was a uh, i played drums um not very often anymore but um when i was at school i, I started teaching drums and like and like I had this whole idea of like maybe if I get good enough to like employ other teachers and like have a drum like academy and all this kind of like you're constantly going through emotions trying to find something that you feel like has got enough legs that you want to 
um, like put your effort into, but at the same kind of time, you don't want to waste your time on something that's not going to work. And like, and this process was like a couple of years, three years um, and beyond really of, of making sure that I was putting my effort into the right thing. Um, and uh, in a way, I'm glad I went through that process um, because you never know what is actually going to work. And um, my the, the biggest piece of advice, or if I wish if I could go back and like tell myself, um, like when I was 14 after I read that book, like this is how the next few years are going to pan out. I would say just run with it in the sense of if you get a little idea, test it. Um, like it doesn't matter if it fails six months down the line because you realize there's a big problem with it and um, that you haven't anticipated. Like you've got to go through the motions of like trying stuff. And um, and it's a case of like, you will know when something drops into place, but all of that time is not wasted because it's the experience and the building blocks that you actually need to start something. And so like, if you aren't doing something because you're worried about, doing it and it being being wrong analysis paralysis um then um try force yourself to forget that and just roll with it because you will learn more from it and it might work there's one of my um mates that i used to do some club nights with um a guy called uh, liam green um uh he started um hype clothing um have you seen like the the t-shirts were huge with like with hype yeah. written up, so um so obviously a massive brand they sell globally um and um and when we stopped doing club nights he was also already doing like clothing design and stuff and he's got some work with but i mean he's an amazing graphic designer he's got some work with um i think uh, top man and some of the brands and stuff at the time like helping their design departments and stuff so i mean he was already understood his passion and he was talented um but uh, it was only a few years later that he got hype off the ground and they're a, a big company and doing amazingly well. Um, and, uh, and like, uh, I remember talking to him on the phone, like probably like a year into the first time that I set up Hortons and we were just chatting. I was explaining what I was going to do. And I remember him saying to me like, yeah, it feels like this one's going to, this one's going to work because he was like, like, he had we'd gone through but he's seen all the things that have flopped and hadn't worked and stuff in the past and uh but we were on completely different journeys then he already had probably 20 30 employees to look after at that stage even way back then and um and i was like just trying to get my, my business off the ground and but we'd we'd both gone through the motions of trying things liam it, it obviously um he had some success very early on um because things sparked but the problem is you don't know if you're going to be that guy who sees things very early on and see some success or it's going to take another couple of years to find that uh, that thing that sparks or another 10 years like but it doesn't really matter if you've got that entrepreneurial spark in you um like uh it shouldn't matter to you whether it's going to take two years for something to work or 15 years for something to work because the idea of doing something else is way more alien and uh, um but um and then secondly, when you're thinking about ideas, um, I'm uh, Peter Watson, obviously, um, if anyone's listened to this that hasn't listened to that, they should check it out. But something Peter goes on about quite a bit is um, like not trying to reinvent the wheel um, and um, trying to find improvements and disrupt existing businesses. Um, 
and uh, I'm an investor in, in uh, a mortgage business uh, with Peter and um, mortgage brokers have been around um, like since uh, since mortgages existed <laughs> and uh, uh, obviously the businesses have evolved over time but we've started that biz business because we've seen a, an opportunity in trying to like modernize the process a little bit we've not tried to kind of create a new Airbnb and create an industry we've just gone okay this is something that exists how can we improve it so your business idea doesn't necessarily need to be um, like something completely brand new um, if you've got um, some um, if, like maybe even if you think right I'm going to get a job for a few years and learn an industry and um, like but that gives you the foundations to go and disrupt somewhere slightly um, effectively like what I've done in the state agency um, you're the thing that sparks the thing that works for you could come from something like that or you could be the next Airbnb but you're only going to know if you if you try it um, so yeah don't don't get hung up on what is or isn't going to work just do something because you'll even if it doesn't work you'll learn so much from it so, so in a strange way and, and this is something I'm a big advocate about. Do, do you think we should be embracing failure? Not trying to fail, but embracing the fact that if we fail, it really doesn't matter because you'll learn a lot. Yeah. Um, failure is probably the most important thing that um, like isn't spoken about uh, anywhere near as enough. Um, knowing when to quit something, like when it's not working, is, a, it as, a, is as important as never give up. Um, which everyone's heard of, uh, like, the, but from any kind of uh, business leader, you've got to keep going, you've got to keep going. And I think there's certain things that you should always uh, stay pers persistent on if you if you want to be in business. And that is the, the, the long term goal, like whether that's, um, yeah, maybe that's in a particular industry, or just the idea of being an entrepreneur. Um, but if there's projects along the way, um, like, uh, that you you feel like you aren't going in the right direction um, knowing when you've got the tipping point of I've learned a lot from this and I can see it's not going in the right direction and, and I need to pivot I need to try something different and use that experience and knowing when to make that decision and being okay with the fact that if your mates going to be like well, what happened to that like oh it didn't work like oh he's got a job again or um, he's um, always trying something different like and the, the thoughts in the back of people's minds of like that guy's a, a dreamer like is like is anything ever going to work and and it could be you're five years in and you, you're still trying ideas out and stuff like that and being okay with the fact that you don't really care what people think about it is uh, is the crucial thing and um, failure um, moving on to the next thing um, I mean I wouldn't be in this position if I just plowed on regardless with the first business being busy for not making any money like um, and uh, um, you need those times to reassess and change tact a little bit to uh, make sure you're on the right path. Or, or if you never started it in the first place as well. If you feared failure and didn't go into it, yeah. you also wouldn't have learned what you learned and, and ended up where you are today. Exactly, yeah. I'm glad you said that about just doing it and going for it and trying different ideas because that's basically what I said to him. I said, just try, try, try it, see if it works. But like we said at the start of this, it's different being a teacher and saying it to him. And it's good that we've got people like you and Peter and Tessa that we've already talked to that can reinforce this message. Yeah. So really appreciate it, Adam. Um, I think that does move us on to final three now, Alex, doesn't it? Because uh, I know he's dying to get his buzzer out. That's why. That's why oh. he was itching to do it earlier. He was trying to get his... 
I was just about to press it and you ruined my big moment, Adam. No. Oh, <laughs> that takes us to the final three, Alex. Oh, yeah. So actually, that takes us to the final three, Adam. You meant to let me introduce it, Drew. All right, go on. Ruining my big moment. Now, um, so essentially, we've got three questions from our business studies community, our followers on Instagram, Facebook, etc. And mm -hmm. you only have 60 seconds to answer each one. Okay. As soon as the 60 seconds is up, our buzz, and you can no longer speak about it. Okay. They're in silence. Right. So, are we ready? Are you up for the yeah. challenge, Adam? I am. Fantastic. When you're ready, Drew. So, the first one, I've had to change a little bit. So, other than Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what book would you advise business students to read? Oh, um, okay. The, oh, there's so many. Um, God. This is a hard question. <laughs> what if I could choose one? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and uh, cheat. I'm gonna choose a couple. Um, uh, Never split the difference uh, by uh, Chris Voss, a negotiator, because the business is all about negotiating. Amazing book, and um, Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Crush It. We've read that, haven't we, Drew? Yeah. I've actually got my laptop resting on Crush It now. So <laughs> other than its contents, it's also useful for a laptop rester. Yeah. Um, yeah, love it. Brilliant. Easy, that one, Adam. 44 seconds. Easy. Do I get points for finishing early? You can have a point if you want one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just one. Okay. Start a leaderboard. Um, so the next one, so we, we, we easy in with that one. The next one, as your team has grown, so you're now employing people, how has that impacted your business? Um, so yeah, we're as of next month we'll be on thirty-two people as a business, um, and uh, probably eighty percent of those have joined us within the past uh, eighteen months. So it's, it's been been growing quite quickly, um, and my role has changed drastically because I think as a good leader of an organisation organization you've got to realize that your main job is to serve every single one of those rather than them working for you like and if you work on that basis um then um i think you're most likely to get the, the best out of people but that comes down to like um yeah, listening all the time um reacting controlling the culture of your business now um kind of makes up the vast majority of my time um and if you get that right if you get if you can look after your people they'll look after your customers well, 53 seconds. I was I was getting excited. Well, no, can't press it again. Oh, <laughs> I'm disappointed. We're going to beat someone one day, Drew. He's, we'll he's never got to press it yet. <laughs> We're going to beat someone, I promise you. We will do it. <laughs> Might be CV's 10 of the podcast, but we will... We will that will get pressed yeah. properly. <laughs> right, go for it. This is this is going to... No pressure. We need, we need this one. So... What do you see as being the biggest challenge your business will face over the next five years? Um, I think um, our, we, I mean, we work with a slightly different model where our agents are like self-employed. Um, so we help our agents um, kind of establish their personal brand and stuff. And um, uh, so, yeah, a little bit different traditional agency, but that's a bit of a wave in our industry that's changing at the moment. So this is unique to a state agency, um, but with a lot of businesses kind of jumping on the bandwagon with that sort of thing, um, attracting 
um, the the right people and uh, having uh, maintaining really high levels of um, of service for people um, as we grow as a business is going to be a challenge. But we're kind of determined not to uh, run before we can walk. We want to do that um, carefully so we don't um, lose those um, those basic principles that have got us to where we are today. But um, it's like like the last question. It's all geared around people um, and. Uh, uh, yeah, and looking after them. Oh, did he get? Do, do, I think he just cut that last word off, didn't he? I was finished. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Can we? We need a, a slow motion replay. We do. We do. We meet like that, and immediately yeah. after, then got it. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's been fantastic, though, and I think an insight into what it's like because we have got students as well. A lot of our students, never mind the nations who not only want to be entrepreneurs, but want to be entrepreneurs in the property industry, whether that be through a state agency, a lot of them want to also buy houses, do them up, but homes under hammer style, I suppose. A lot of them are motivated by that. So um, I think if we could just finish, um, it's been fantastic. Just a bit of advice for anyone who wants to become an entrepreneur in your industry. um, What would you say to them? What's the reality? If you want to get into a state agency or into property, um, and maybe um, like the same the same journeys, but I can only speak from my own experience. But don't be worried about starting at the bottom. Um, get an apprenticeship or something. Like there's such great ways to get into the industry. Um, and if you stick out for a few years, learn the ropes, really understand a business. Um, it will give you the grounding to go on and um, like yeah maybe you want to set up your own estate agency or um maybe you want to be a property developer and stuff um i i've been involved in various property projects as a result of the experience that i've built up um from um yeah redeveloping properties and selling them on etc um and uh, i don't have the confidence to do that because i understand the market well enough to, to put some money into it and uh um so yeah just try and learn the basics um get your foot in the door somehow um, and uh, learn everything you possibly can. Forget what salary you're being paid, like forget um, like any of the niceties or anything like that. That's all irrelevant and will seem so, um, so yeah, unimportant in five, six years time. Go to the place where you feel like you're going to learn the most. Um, and, um, uh, and if you take a longer term view like that, it, will 100% pay off because um, if uh, if you're against like maybe work alongside with someone who's going there um, who just treats it as a nine to five and they, they forget about it they're uninterested once the, um, the clock goes five but you're using that to um, enhance your knowledge and then you're going and working on yourself by watching YouTube videos and reading books and um networking with other people in the industry and just being a sponge for everything you possibly can um that's going to give you either value if you end up working for someone else you'll be a more valuable employee um um, because you bring more to the table or if then you start doing stuff yourself or set up your own business um you're going to be much more better prepared than um than anyone who's um not taken the the kind of gone to the lengths that you would have to invest in yourself um and um yeah that will give you such an edge um over other people so um and and like i say patience and keeping it long term um uh like especially when you were at school like you've 
um, if you're just doing your A levels and stuff, um, like you've got your your whole career ahead of you. Even if you just allocate the first ten years to trying loads of stuff and um, and resign yourself to the fact that you kind of you're going to stay in some entry level jobs and stuff to build your knowledge. Um, like you're the in the in the long term, you'll be the winner because you've got the plan in the back of your mind about where you're going, where you're taking it, why you're doing it, um, and having the humility to 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 put yourself in that position. Um, forget about your mates that if you go down this route that are on um, like fancy grad schemes and getting paid um, uh, a, a tasty salary and seeing cars on finance and all that kind of stuff. Um, like if you've got a long-term game, stick to it and it will pay off. Fantastic. Yeah, perfect advice. Thanks, Adam. Um, I think you've given some really valuable information for for a student so really appreciate it and thanks for your time yeah no worries if anyone wants to bounce any ideas like any students watching this wants to bounce my ideas off me um find me on socials or whatever and i'll always be happy to help yeah what are your social handles just so we can share them with them um so instagram is probably the best place and it's just at adam horton um and um but yeah if uh, it could be anything from advice uh, to wanting to ask some questions about anything we discussed um i reply to anyone who will message me so um uh i don't get that many messages so uh, yeah brilliant to you. <laughs> fantastic really appreciate that thanks adam no worries